0: hey guys it's teresa the host of you can tell me anything the podcast you're listening to right now i'm very excited for this episode Uh, i have a good friend and former colleague uh, from cracked robert evans on the podcast um we do talk about some uh um triggering things so you know eating disorders um if you uh that's a trigger for you definitely um you know be aware of that or maybe skip this one Um, but it's a great episode we get into some interesting conversation um, so I think you guys will really enjoy it. I just want to make a quick announcement before we get into the episode. I am officially moving away from Patreon so if you are a confidant who's been part of the family I'm very appreciative and have um, been really uh, glad to have you As part of the family, um, I'm not totally shutting down having bonus content because I do think it's really fun to interact with you guys on a, a deeper level. But just for many reasons, one of the reasons being I don't feel like I can give enough time to the Patreon to make it worth your time and also just uh want to move away from doing so much bonus content and focusing on the main show and making that the best it can be so instead of patreon i am going to i have a paypal setup so if you want to support and tip me and you know whatever i definitely do appreciate it and i do use it because um, I, I you know um go go i'm still spending more on this than i make which is zero. I make nothing out of this. So if you want to support and tip the podcast, you can do that. PayPal.me slash you can tell me anything. Um, that's PayPal.me slash you can tell me anything. And to incentivize it, and you don't have to commit to any recurring payments at all. In fact, you can't do that. So if you donate one month, basically if you donate by the eighth of that month, I will be doing monthly newsletters for... Um, anybody who wants all the confidants who want to get extra content and so it's a little bit more chill than the patreon but basically I'll just be sending out an email with maybe a bonus episode a video and some updates about my life and uh, you know a chance to Q&A and that sort of thing and interact and I'll just do that monthly so if you guys donate before the eighth of the month you'll get the newsletter for that month and you can come in and out as you wish you can donate once and never again you could donate every month you can donate at once every three months Whatever you want to do. So that's it. Um, And uh, you can donate as little or as much as you want. Um, For the newsletter, just it would be $4 or more. It's sort of like the old version of the savior tier of the Patreon. So that's all. That's new, and I, I'm going to post this all on my Instagram as well, which you can follow, at Tell Me Anything Pod. You can follow my personal Instagram, at Larissa T., or on Twitter, at Larissa T. And finally, I have a very exciting news for you guys. We have our live anniversary show. I've hinted at it before, but it's official. It's going to be on April 16th. Uh, it's a Tuesday at Comedy Central Stage in in Hollywood, California. Heard of it? Pretty cool. We've got special guests uh, including Gabby Dunn, Solomon Giorgio. I have a therapist, a real bona fide therapist, who's going to be on uh, stage with me, commenting on the comedian sets and their stories. And I'll also have a very special headlining comedian guest um, to be announced. So definitely follow for updates and put it in your calendar. It's going to be a free show, so everybody is welcome. And I hope to see you there. All right. Enjoy the episode. You can tell her. You can tell her anything. She's
1: a real good listener. You can tell her.
0: Teresa, the host of you can tell me anything the podcast where comedians confess something they've never told anyone before sort of um uh you know never talked about in this capacity i tell people not to do something they've done on stage but you know sometimes it's something they've thought about and told their significant other i won't police what you talk about in your private life um I'm only mentioning that because sometimes people comment and they'll be like, well, they're not all real secrets, but they are. Because what is a secret? But most secrets have been told to at least three people, right? Like, what is there anything in your life that you've never told? Well, we'll find out. All right. that's it. This is my official intro. Word for word. I wrote that down. That's how I scripted it. Anyways, <laughs> today... I have a really special guest. I'm super excited. Uh, we work together at Cracks. He's super funny. has written a book called, uh, all about ancient drugs, called The Ancient History of Vice. Yeah, no, Brief History yeah,
1: of Vice. Yeah, I, I stole a title from Stephen Hawking.
0: Uh, yes, the, a Brief History of Vice and is uh, currently a host of a podcast called Behind the Bastards. Really great. Dark but funny and um, very informative podcast about uh, bad people in history. But super well researched. Really fun. Check that out if you you haven't already it's robert evans
1: hello and you have a
0: gofundme that you're um, i I do uh doing right now to raise money for an audiobook you're writing yeah
1: yeah yeah Uh, the war on everyone if you go to gofundme and look that up you can find that and what it's about and everything so yeah that's i've got that
0: that's awesome thanks Mm -hmm. for being here
1: thanks for having me you
0: have a great haircut Oh, I guess it's two you. weeks old I haven't seen you in a minute it and I a s- minute. But it's weird how you can still tell it's a haircut even if it's been two weeks right it is weird what, yeah I, what, what is that I don't I, know why
1: I think I usually look like an unkempt mountain man so no, anytime I've got like <laughs> hair not falling into my ears uh, that's probably one part of it
0: well I haven't seen your hair this short uh, but I like it It's good. I mean they both look good I think I like to comment on haircuts I think because I'm very like I like to say something to people as soon as they see them about like I'm like oh I gotta be present so then hair Cuts are the easiest thing to be like oh your hair's different than last time I saw you That's good So yeah I'm not I'm working on being present It's hard
1: It's really hard
0: are you good at that? I feel no. like you seem like a very good because you connect to people really well.
1: I am terrible at being present in the moment. Oh uh, yeah. I only really do that when I'm like interviewing someone or talking to them. Uh-huh. The rest of the time, I live in space. Your so, your uh, mind
0: just goes off and yeah. wanders. I I do that a lot, and I'll catch myself now because of all the like therapy and stuff that I've gone through. My dog is making weird noise, but that's fine.
1: He's trying to dig um, through the chair. <laughs>
0: uh, all the like therapy I go through about being present and blah blah blah. So now I. I notice when I'm not, but I don't know if that's better because it's almost like another thing to think about. I'm like, oh, I'm not being present, Teresa, be present. Um, but now I'm just also, I've come back around and I'm at the point where I'm like, well, sometimes people are boring and my imagination is going to take me over. So maybe it's okay to just go off. Into Drift your, into
1: the world. Yeah. What's yeah. your take on that? I mean... I think that if you're an anxious person uh, and you go to therapy, they a lot of times what they'll give you is more things to be anxious about. But that's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing because sometimes being healthy is about being anxious about the right things as opposed to the wrong things.
0: That's true. Do you go to therapy?
1: Sometimes. Not mm-hmm. regularly enough. Uh, especially since you know we all got uh, canned, so I didn't have like the healthcare mm. and stuff. But I should go to therapy more, and I don't.
0: You don't need to say that. And a lot of people come on this podcast and say that when I ask, like that I should, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna break that down and say that you, that's a thing you're anxious about. You don't need a you, There's no should. You go when you want it. Don't go when you don't. And um, I think going at all is good. And I think. We do this thing as like writers and comedians. We're always like, I should be doing more. I should be work. I should be writing. I should be doing a mic. I should. So I'm um, gonna give you permission to just say, you go, cause you've gone, and you might not be going now, today, but
1: I can just leave my mental illness untreated. Do I? No, no, die no permission not untreated. But now? you're
0: saying like I should. Well, you're not like not going. Right? You're just not going as often as in your mind you think going. you should go.
1: Yeah, I'm just not going. Okay, and I have not for a while.
0: I see. Yeah. But you've gone.
1: I have gone in. You've like gone in
0: depth before and worked on stuff and had breakthroughs.
1: I wouldn't say breakthroughs. It was more like more like a tourniquet. Like I went back when I was having like real bad PTSD breaks and stuff. Uh And so it was yeah. It was like it was like uh, going because otherwise you're gonna bleed out. Yeah. And then I didn't go at all after that, which I should have.
0: That I think that it comes and goes in waves. I don't. I don't go every week anymore. Um and I think that's okay. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think having you have a safety net because you've set up care. Just like with your primary care doctor or whatever, which actually I don't have that. I
1: don't have either. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but as a child you have like your pediatrician and once you're set up, you can just show up when you're, you know, sick. So I think therapy is the same way once you've gotten through the initial Fear of going, not everyone's afraid, but, you know, I was afraid of going. Once you get over the initial fear, then it becomes easier when you are in a dire situation to just be like, hey, I got to come in, right? Yeah, Do you I... feel like you could pick up your phone if you had something going no, on? You don't? Oh, no, no,
1: no, I don't have like a, a therapist anymore. I, I oh. would need to set all of that up again. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm, I'm not being <laughs> responsible with my uh, my mental or physical health right now, but, you know. But you get a
0: haircut, though. So. But I got a haircut. Um, well, we'll start on something good cause I do like to start with a good confession. Um, just for my audience to get to know the guest. is there something good you'd like to confess?
1: Good that I'd like to confess. Your dog sat be- down between my feet and oh. I got all cuddled up and Aww. that felt pretty nice. I was that like, oh, nice. this, this dog, trust me. Yeah. And she yeah, has he, no, he has no reason to.
0: He's, um, he loves, uh, attention. So mm-hmm. he probably could feel that you're going to give him attention. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know why he likes to lay it in between legs. Like if I'm in bed, he'll like move. Like if he's already on the bed, he'll move to like sit in between my legs.
1: I imagine it's secure because like he's small enough that like your legs are like two little walls, and oh, so yeah. like nothing's gonna get me from the left <laughs> to the right, you know? Because I got these 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 warm walls on my side.
0: Oh, that's nice. That's true. Yeah. It's like a little tent.
1: Yeah, it's um, safe.
0: But he takes up so much space because of that. Because he'll like always move right to the middle. And yeah. Like, okay, you're in the middle um well that's nice well do you, you don't have pets do you you had a cat i have cat? a cat that a cat.
1: that is in my ex-wife's care down in texas now okay that i miss very much but yeah I, i've had i had dogs all my life growing up too i just don't have them now because i travel too much and mm-hmm. it's kind of mean to do to a dog if you're going to be like gone half of every month yeah yeah i don't want to do that to a dog
0: yeah i get to bring him into work which is a huge help i don't think it would think it'd be very hard to have yeah. him if it wasn't for that
1: I like really big dogs, so if I ever have a dog again, it's gonna be like a husky or a doberman, Ooh. which is what I grew up with. But like, you really, you gotta be around a lot for a dog. Yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of a dick move.
0: That's true. You gotta let them run around, or you can get a really old dog. But I guess, yeah. yeah.
1: They just want. They just want to be around you. They
0: want to Yeah, they want friends. Mm-hmm. It's weird because when I first got him, I was very anxious about having to keep him alive which is like you just you know you do it
1: they're pretty easy like they're pretty pretty robust (laughs) but
0: there's a fear in like and this is me like overthinking but there's a fear in like i was like he was a puppy like eight months old he was a rescue but like i think they didn't the family maybe inherit like maybe got him from a litter or something Mm -hmm. and didn't want him um so i never wanted to have a dog that young i knew i wanted a dog but i was thinking i'd get like an older dog to start with but he was eight months. So I remember looking up the lifespan of a shih tzu, which I think he's mm. part shih tzu. And it's like, they live very long, like yeah. 15 They're a, like and cats plus years. Almost. Yeah. yeah. and I remember seeing that and feeling so anxious. Because of course I don't want him to ever die, but just the thought of like, oh my God, I have to keep this thing alive for 15 years. Yeah. How am I going to do that? I don't know how I'm going to keep myself alive for 15 years. And that really set me into panic mode. And I had a lot of stress dreams for like the first week about like, I had a dream where I, got this box of rabbits and uh, they just all ran away and I had to like shut all the doors and try to get them all and, and then I was like oh this is definitely me afraid of
1: like, and murdering my dog. No, I get that. When I when we got our cat, I was like 25, 26. And it was the realization of like, oh my God, I'm going to have this cat when I'm like 45. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what's going to be going on. How yeah. can I take on this responsibility? But she's a cat. It's been fine.
0: It's crazy. But also there's something nice about like I'm me thinking of like, oh, when I'm 40, he'll be there an old dog and I it's nice to imagine like something being with you f- uh, for that long because yeah. I mean, people yes so you can do that I guess having a partner but it's still different because people go off and live their lives and they have like con- complete autonomy whatever but a dog is like you're with that dog like yeah. that is your dog by your side like a literal companion so mm-hmm. to imagine like oh I can in 10 years look back and uh, just be like oh we've got 10 years of shared life together that's really cool and special so I'm looking forward to to seeing my old dog and just be like, whoa, we've been Uh, through a lot.
1: Yeah, I love janky old dogs. I like seeing (laughs) them walk down the street and you've got the owners just like barely walking (laughs) along because the dog's too old. Or There's this really old dog on my street that the owner has to like, his back legs don't work, so the owner.
0: Oh, like a little wheel?
1: No, no, not like a wheel. She's got like a a strap contraption that she holds up (gasps) so the dog's front legs can walk and she holds up his back end. And I'm like, that is so sweet. Oh, that sounds like
0: a lot of work. Um, I I, I've seen a dog with um, the wheels in the back, so they can drag themselves.
1: Yeah, I've seen those too. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Um, uh, our Jack O'Brien has a old dog. He sure does. I I love. I Finn is the name of the dog. But um, when I first met Finn uh he's very old and he just kind of walks around with his eyes down i would
1: describe him as half hammerhead shark in yeah terms yeah of the way his his face is constructed yes yeah.
0: very big eyes but they he was looking down a lot because i think it was like a party where there was a lot of food so he was like kind of rumbaing around and i thought he didn't have eyes and <laughs> i was like oh my god old dog with no eyes i was like oh wow so i asked jack about him and he was like what he has eyes. <laughs> and then I had to crouch down and be like, oh, there's his eyes.
1: <laughs> it is remarkable how little dogs need their eyes. Because you've yeah. known a lot of blind dogs, and sometimes you can't tell that well. Because yeah. it's just like, well, they, they kind of do everything with their nose anyway.
0: Yeah, my dog Wushu has wonky eyes, so I don't even know if he can see.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they're, it's, it's crazy to they're imagine kind of cross eyes. world is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um uh yeah that's so cool. Um so okay you don't go to therapy but do, do you have like a confidant someone you talk to when you have stuff going on?
1: Yeah, I've got, I've got some friends and stuff that I that I can in when shit's all fucked up.
0: What's your like do you have like a process or routine for um you know, if you're feeling like down, like or do you just kinda just deal with it as it comes?
1: It's mostly just exercise. I do a lot mm-hmm. of distance running. I go to the gym, uh probably usually about ninety minutes to two hours a day. And oh, that's wow. like a that's like a necessary thing for mental health maintenance for yeah. me. Uh, otherwise I go crazy. How um, did you
0: first find that out or you just always been active?
1: I've started running I was running when I was uh 19, I realized that like, and it was specifically when I started running barefoot that I realized like wow. how many mental health benefits it had for me. Um, and <laughs> for a while, it was just 10 miles a day every day. 10
0: miles barefoot? Yeah,
1: every Where day. Where are you
0: running? Like outdoors?
1: Everywhere. I've done it in 15, 20 countries now. The only place I'm not willing to run barefoot is uh, India. Because um, uh-huh. there's, there's a lot of stuff in the streets that I don't want to risk getting on my feet. But... Do you, Does... is that dangerous? That sounds dangerous. I've never had a, an injury Wow uh, and I, it's one of those things where because it strengthens so you don't have to run barefoot if you just run with a thin sole you get the benefits because it strengthens your ankle so much like oh. I've rolled my ankle so many times hiking and stuff over the years and it's uh-huh. never gotten hurt um, just because I think the tendons and stuff are so strong because I do so much training on it
0: when did what made you want to start running barefoot like did you do it because you thought it was good for you or you're just like this seems fun?
1: I, yeah, it just sort of, I felt compelled to see if I liked it. So I, I had been running for six or seven months at that point. I was up to like five miles a day and that was like oh, my wow. normal thing. I'd get home from teaching special ed and I would do a five mile run. Uh, and then one day I was like, I'm going to try to do like the first run, mile barefoot. So I like took off my shoes and I set <laughs> them out at the front like porch of my house and I started running and I never put running shoes back on. Wow. Um, I just really liked it. Uh And most of my friends who have tried, I've had a lot of friends try. Uh, A couple of them have taken up barefoot running. Most of them have gotten really badly hurt. So I don't recommend it for other people. (laughs) I think for whatever reason, my feet are just suited for that because I've never gotten blisters or anything like that.
0: Uh, I just imagine if I saw you and I didn't know you running barefoot, I'd be like, "That man's running away from something."
1: Yeah, I definitely get some looks. Uh, I think most of my neighborhood is used to it now because I've been there for like a year and a half, so they're like, uh-huh. "Okay, well, it's just the guy that does that."
0: Maybe you are like like a uh, I just like you know those Greek go- demigods when you they find out they have like one superpower. Because they like Zeus or whatever like to fuck all the nymphs in the woods. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how demigods come out, right? Yeah,
1: running barefoot is no, my no. my fucking <laughs> I'm just saying
0: yeah. you. No, it's like how Achilles was dipped in the water. Oh, sure. Like, you were like, I'm going to start running barefoot, and you're like, I've never been injured, but actually— I'm a
1: reverse Achilles. Everything is vulnerable (laughs) but my heel. But yeah, Yeah. you're
0: actually, like, you think it's just like a thing, and you're like telling people the gospel, like, go run barefoot, and everyone's just coming back, like, badly injured.
1: Yeah, I do not tell people to run barefoot anymore.
0: (laughs) And you're just like, I don't know what's wrong. It's easy for me, but it's me. you've been dipped in, like, the the pond of whatever the pond of Achilles was.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what it is. I mean, my guess is that, like, it's just some sort of like if you go back 10,000 years, my ancestors were doing a lot of that. Like, have you heard of endurance hunting?
0: It's like maybe just hunting for a long time.
1: No, it's one of the earliest ways before people had like bows and arrows and stuff. Like when we just had like sharpened rocks, Um, people are capable of running longer than any other animal because we can sweat and breathe at the same time. So we're Uh. not the fastest animal, but no animal can run for a longer distance than we can. Uh. So if you can chase a deer and it takes about 20 miles to do this on average, like it's actually roughly the length of a marathon. But if you can chase a deer and just like keep just close enough that the deer keeps Running from you, eventually its heart will burst. What and like that's there's people there's like oh tribes God. in Africa who still ha- hunt this way. So it's wow. one of the earliest ways people hunted. Is and you usually they think that you would have had like a team, so like everyone would do seven or eight miles. But like uh-huh. if you could keep chasing a deer for a long enough period of time or an antelope or whatever, it'll just drop what? and then you've got food. They just yeah burst yeah yeah because they they can't run long so distances.
0: So they aren't aware of, of how to stop. Like well, they won't I be mean, like they can't I'm gonna because you're chasing them. Right, but there's no moment where they're like, I'm going to die, I should just stop and see what happens when I get caught. Like I, they're just like...
1: I think they they'd go into fight or flight because they're, you know... Th-
0: so fascinating. Because yeah. like we, I wonder if humans like push to a limit have that. Like do we, will we just fight until our last breath? I feel like most humans yeah. have a uh, the capacity of giving up. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I feel like a lot, like the idea of surrender where you're like... I will surrender before I reach that point, and then this might mean death. But mm, we'll see.
1: I think humans are intelligent enough to think through, so some of us will choose to surrender. Some of us will fight to the death, depending on the circumstance. But I think, like an antelope, it's just going to keep running,
0: and their heart bursts.
1: Yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty metal. Uh, but like that, what does it
0: look like when they're they oh, probably? I
1: mean, I've never hunted an antelope down. <laughs> no, I'm
0: just trying <laughs> to imagine like. When you say burst, I imagine that a little explosion, but it's probably just like it's like a
1: heart attack, cump, yeah, crumple over, right? Yeah, they just can't. You know, it's like uh, like how w- dogs can only sweat through like their tongue. They don't have yeah. like we are able to sweat and breathe at the same time, right. and that's pretty rare in the animal kingdom. Huh? Yeah, like a like a cheetah will run way faster than us, but they can only do it for a couple of minutes. You know, yeah. human beings are the only animal that can run for eight straight hours, and but people a, do that. A
0: cheetah will at some point turn like the fight or flight. They'll eventually turn around and fight.
1: You huh? would not want to hunt a cheetah that way. Right, because they
0: would just be like, all right, get this guy off my ass, and then just like turn around. Oh, I'm around
1: a 500-pound cat. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like I can take this little uh-huh. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wouldn't want to hunt a cheetah that way.
0: Wow, I wonder if there's any stories in the past of uh, a deer being, t- being endurance hunted and then just stopping and be like, listen up, and then be, sh- becoming a friend of the man
1: i'm sure yeah, you get a couple of those stories maybe that's how we got horses oh yeah we were like what if we just ride this horse and hunt other stuff right,
0: right that right, makes right, way right. more He's sense like hey i'll yeah. i'll tell you where all the good deer are if yeah. you don't kill me
1: you guys there's these things called deer and they are way worse at running than me <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm a horse trust I'm me. i'm a horse
1: you can get on me this will work out great
0: <laughs> i'll prove it nay nay um <laughs> Okay, so you started running, and that was your kind of safe space of, uh, of yeah. letting your energy out.
1: Yeah, it's pretty gotten to be pretty critical to my creative process. I do a lot of like my writing before I sit down at a at a computer, just like uh-huh. going through stuff in my head while I run.
0: Uh, what, so wait, wait, where did you grow up?
1: Uh, Texas, for the okay, most Texas. part, Texas and Oklahoma.
0: Okay, lots of open spaces there to run. Yes. Um, yeah, well, so you, you, uh, did you always know you wanted to write? Um, that was, like, a thing growing up you always wanted to do? How did you get into it?
1: Since I was in, like, third grade, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, I, I would say about third grade. I, I just was – I read – like it was, like, a Michael Crichton book. It was The Lost World. Okay. And so I started, like – we were going on, like, a family road trip, and my dad had this book that he'd gotten from the library, and it had, like, a dinosaur on the front. Uh-huh. So I was like, fuck, yeah, dinosaurs. <laughs> and then I start reading this, like, very adult, like – you yeah, know, sci- sci-fi fiction book, and I loved it. And I probably wrote five different rip-offs of Jurassic Park as a little kid <laughs> that were just Jurassic Park, but written by right, like written a nine-year-old, nine-year-old me. Um,
0: what was? Do you remember um, the first original story you wrote?
1: Yeah, it was like a Jurassic Park. Oh what? no, no, but oh, okay, but yeah. before,
0: like, because that was when you were still like co- trying to copy ideas that you read.
1: Oh, the first original yeah. story, man, I really don't. I wrote a, a terrible uh, fiction novel when I was. Like started when I was sixteen and finished when I was uh, eighteen. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, I would say that was the the first original story, and it was it was not particularly good.
0: Was it sci fi?
1: No, it was like a it was like a, cri- a a crime novel basically. Oh cool! Yeah, yeah.
0: I wrote a. Uh, I feel like sci fi is a th- or f- and fantasy is where a lot of kids start because yeah. you don't have a sense of the real world. So like the f- describing real world interactions is fantasy for a kid, right? Because you're just like, and the mom comes in and you're like, what the fuck would a mom do? I don't know. But the first story I remember writing, uh, like a complete story was in second grade called The Real Big Bang. And it was about these rabbits who um, lived on a planet and they had to save the universe uh, by killing these aliens and there was a big explosion. But then in order to do that, they had to sacrifice because they were the most intelligent. Mm-hmm. I loved rabbits, by the way. Like, right.
1: I'm, g- I'm gathering it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I grew up, oh yeah, and the dream about, was about rabbits. Oh mm-hmm. my God, it's all, I'm really all connecting these symbols yeah. together. But as a kid, I was obsessed with rabbits. I wanted a rabbit. I like read up all about them. I had books and books. Every time I went to the library, I rented a book about rabbits. But this uh, story was about how they were the most intelligent animal and in order to save the universe, they had to sacrifice like, Sacrifice their intelligence. And so that's why they're dumb and uh, the bottom of the food a, chain that's now. That's a
1: really cool premise.
0: Yeah. And so that's why they're like, because they're, literally when you grow up learning about animals, everyone says like rabbits are the bottom, right? They get eaten by everything and they're kind of like dumb and they. Just fuck a bunch. That's like what you know. Yeah, about, yeah know they, about they don't rabbits.
1: have a reputation for intelligence. Yeah. yeah,
0: But in the story, they were like so cool, and they saved the world. Saved everybody. Um, and that was the Big Bang. But <laughs> that was uh-huh. the first a very silly story. But the first time I tried to write uh, realist what was it called? Not realistic, realistic fiction.
1: Yeah, I mean, just yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like just grounded in reality. Was when I was like at a camp uh, in sixth grade for writing, and I was like, "I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna write realistic fiction," and it was the most banana story. It was about these two best friends. It was called Sasha and Marielle, best friends forever. It was about one of their one of their thirteenth birthdays. Um, that one of the best friends starts smoking cigarettes. And then it was so bad because she's smoking is bad for you. And then it goes from like her smoking to like hanging out with the bad kids to getting cancer and then like... (laughs) At
1: 13? Yeah. That is rough.
0: (laughs) To dying.
1: (laughs) She picked some hardcore. Was she just doing the lucky (laughs) uh, strikes unfiltered? (laughs) Eating cigars?
0: (laughs) She just dies (laughs) within the course of like three months. And then like her best friend, uh, it's just like a tragedy of these best friends. And it's so insane yeah
1: you really the the anti-cigarette stuff that we went through in middle school really worked on you
0: really worked I was so 100% a nerdy kid who was like don't do drugs stay in school get straight A's all of that.
1: It's interesting because I grew up so much in Plano. I, I got very little anti like there was some anti-cigarette some anti-weed stuff but almost all of my anti-drug stuff was focused on heroin. Oh wow. Because when I was <laughs> nine or ten years old uh, right right after I would moved to Texas from Oklahoma the, we had what, what Rolling Stone called the great uh, Texas heroin massacre when like oh. seven or eight kids died in a single night from heroin because oh, it's man. like strong Plano is, it was and I think still is like the heroin capital of the United States because oh, you've wow. got like a bunch of kids like th- there's a lot of rich kids in Plano especially Mm -hmm. on the west side of town so there were just all these kids who would get hundreds of dollars a week in allowances from their rich parents and then would spend it on smack Uh, and so like yeah we had this night where a ton of rich kids died in the night and it's like you know eight rich kids dying in one night from heroin that's like Ugh. that's gonna cause some shit and so Damn. it was all about heroin in our anti-drug classes like that wow. was the thing that they really rammed home was like don't try heroin which is act, like
0: <laughs> no, that's as good
1: bullshit as most anti-drug stuff is yeah don't do heroin <laughs> like, yeah i feel
0: like we didn't even get to that point i don't i don't think i was even aware of heroin Until high school.
1: Yeah, I won't say my anti-drug education was good, but at least it made sense, the thing that they focused on. Right, it was like a legit
0: thing that was like, still now, is good to focus on not doing. Don't
1: fuck with heroin, yeah. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's weird because as a kid, it was more about not wanting to get in trouble for me. Like, I I don't really feel like I ever really understood. Like, yes, they told us drugs were bad because they affected your brain, but I don't think I ever really understood Um, why they were bad because in my mind it was always like the drug itself is bad which is not true there are drugs that are um, abused and they're bad even heroin
1: has a purpose right if they're
0: abused they're bad but like like weed is a classic example of like you know it's it's totally different from you know coke and they're just different but they're classified together and even coke is like you probably shouldn't do it a lot but it's a party drug they could teach like you shouldn't do it because it leads to addiction and then leads to this But the drug itself, like, if you did it a few times, it's really fine. Yeah, Yeah, it's not going to kill you. I've
1: done cocaine five or six times. I don't like it. I would never seek it out. If somebody's like, you want to do coke at this party? I've got a bunch of coke. Yeah, all right, I'll try some coke. But, like, it's never been something I've sought out. Yeah. But I I guess, like, the thing about the anti-drug, like, most of the anti-drug classes we got were still pretty fear-mongering. But I had a Uh teacher when I was in sixth grade. Um, a biology teacher whose son had gotten permanently crippled during the heroin massacre, and he'd lost four of his friends. And her anti-drug stuff was just like, it was just heroin. And she was just like, don't fuck with this stuff. Anything else you try is like, you know, if you get drunk, if you smoke weed, if you do cocaine, like there's a margin of error that's pretty wide. It's hard to kill yourself. Don't mess with heroin. was just like, that was the the thing that really stuck with me. And like of all of the drugs that I've done, I've never fucked with heroin. Yeah. yeah. So, thank you. Probably uh, wise. Oh, yeah. there you go. Teacher, it worked. Good,
0: good. <laughs> yeah. Good education. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything you would like to tell me, Robert?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an eating disorder, like right when I moved to LA. Uh, that like. I, I was like a, a heavy kid in uh, in middle school and high school. like, uh, And then I started running and that got a little bit better. Um, but I was still something I was always really self-conscious about. And when I moved to L.A. and started doing like the personal experience stuff for Cracked and mm-hmm. that took off, um, I also started running even more and also really controlling my diet. And at first that was because like when I moved out to L.A., I was not making, I think my initial salary at crack was like, cracked was like 55 grand a year, Mm -hmm. which in LA is not a huge amount of money. Like Mm -hmm. I had about $900 after rent and bills and stuff Mm -hmm. every month for like food and everything. So like it started as like, okay, well, I've got to live cheap until I start making more money and yada, yada, yada. And I lost, like, 40 pounds, and I really liked losing a bunch of weight. And at first it was great, and I would go back, like, home to Texas, and people would all comment on how good I looked. And then I started, like, obsessing over, like, I would measure my weigh myself on the scale, like, two or three times a day. Oh, wow. Um, And I got to the point where, like, I would only eat once per day after I had done like a nine or 10 mile run and done my whole work for the day so that I uh-huh. could like weigh myself at the end of the day and like see that I was allowed to eat. Oh no. Um, and it got like, I I just sort of like got over it eventually in my head, but it was, there was about a year or so there where it was, and finally like it was my, uh, my fiance at the time who was like, this has gone beyond like wanting to get healthy. Yeah, uh, This has become a problem and you should, check yourself because this is what people are talking about when they talk about having an eating disorder
0: when she said that to you were you surprised like was it something you were aware of like oh yeah you're saying truth or was it like i didn't even realize i had this
1: i did not think about it that way i thought about it like i got i knew i was really anxious about putting weight back on again um like
0: you weren't aware when you were in it that you were you were um Obsessing about it.
1: Yeah, I realized that I was pretty unhappy because of how central this had become to my life uh, and how limiting it was and what I could do. Um, But I hadn't really realized... I hadn't really applied the term eating disorder to it, mm-hmm. uh, and so when she said that, like that before, it was like, "Well, you can't risk putting any weight back on because that's the worst thing in the world." And then she said that. No, that was what oh, was going was on like, in my head. No, and when so she that said, like, "Maybe a problem
0: if she said this that," this is to an you. eating
1: disorder, and that, like, yeah. that's kind of what I. It didn't cure it, but that's what started the process of me getting over it. Was being like, "Oh, oh shit." Of course, because I'd done articles with Craig where I'd interviewed people about their right. eating disorders, and I it hadn't clicked with me that like that's exactly what you're fucking doing, man. Like, it's
0: really hard to see um, sometimes when you're in something, yeah. even if it's right in front of you, that you are that way. Yeah, and and um, yeah, that's crazy. Well, I mean, it sounds like like uh, it was like a hard hard time of your life, and you were probably going through a lot of uh, changes and wanting to find some control over like the new environment that you had and maybe like the uncertainties that yeah. was going
1: on. It probably had a lot to do with the fact that like I had a really big base of friends and, and, you know, colleagues and people that I dated and stuff when I lived in Texas. And then I moved out to LA where like the only people I knew were at Cracked. And like yeah. I liked all of my coworkers, but none of them were friends yet. You know, yes. like I, it, that happened after a couple of years in town. But mm-hmm. like at first, they were just people I saw at work. And then I would go back alone to my office and or my home and I would write, three articles a night or whatever. Um, so it was also really easy to just not eat, to just work and run all the time and then have like a tiny amount of food at the end of the day and go to sleep and then start the process over again. Um, and so as I, it was also one of those things where like I didn't feel miserable doing it at first and mm-hmm. then gradually it became this thing that controlled a lot of my life. Well, there's a felt high miserable. at first.
0: It's like drugs. Like yeah. it, it probably hooks you because in the beginning there's a feeling mm-hmm high that probably you're I don't know like did it feel like you're trying to get back to that original feeling ever or you just kind of fell deeper and just I
1: I didn't I guess it was like a fear of it felt so good for people to like talk about oh man you really lost a bunch of weight that I didn't ever want the opposite to happen I think Hmm. it was more like a fear of that um yeah I, I would I think that probably was the the big driver
0: Wow, that's that's uh, a a lot to share, and I'm sorry that you went through that. Yeah, it's um, just a thing. But um, yeah, I it's so interesting. I'm my sister um dealt with that in high school, and I didn't. But we both like kind of were coping with similar things in different ways, mm-hmm. and mine came out in different ways. Like I ended up actually, I don't think I drank a lot in high school, but I it was just in different ways. But um, the idea of like like I've Anytime I've thought about uh, – I've never had an eating disorder, but I've definitely had that uh, – been close to, like, wanting to obsess over something. And I with food and weight and all that, if I start to get uh, – if I start to think about it, then it can become where I put all my energy. So I just don't – I don't, like, have a scale or anything in my house. Yeah, I don't do that. that anymore either. Yeah, but numbers is a big thing for me. Like, I latch onto if I need control of my life, like, tracking anything with numbers becomes a thing I obsess over. Like, weight is one, but also mm-hmm. um, even, like – like emails or texts mm-hmm. or anything like that, where I can quantify, like, oh, I'll delete, I'll go through my email and delete this many a day, or like how many uh, followers do I have, and then I'll like keep checking it. It's really easy to fall into that because I think there's a feeling of like just cha- utter chaos in life sometimes, mm-hmm. especially if everything's changing. Where I'm like, I don't know how to quantify anything. So if I can find a way to quantify any progress or feeling of like being grounded, then I use that.
1: Yeah, I think you. That's a pretty pretty human thing to do like Mm you see a bunch of i I know that um like i I run into all these articles where someone will be like no see as as fucked up as things feel the world's getting better because this number is getting better because Uh the number of people who are in poverty this number is getting better this number is getting better this number. see the world's getting better and it's like well one one thing's getting better (laughs) one thing's getting better there's also a billion more people living under dictators, but you don't want to think about that number. You want to think about, you know, this other number that you've latched on to because numbers make mm. sense and the world is chaos.
0: There's also more people, so more new problems.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That is – some things are impressive, though, when it's like there's more people and percentages of things are going down. That's probably good. But also, like, with every new technology, there's going to be a new problem. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, maybe we've gotten better at recycling plastic bottles, but what about – iPhones.
1: Yeah, or what about fucking Bitcoin? I just read the other day that like the amount of power used to mine Bitcoin exceeds all of the power generated by solar energy worldwide. (laughs) So it's like all of that bit of it we wiped out (laughs) with our like nonsense math money. Like
0: (laughs) that's crazy.
1: Whoops.
0: (laughs) This is why. Do you? Um, are you religious at all? No. What's your um history with religion? Like, were, were you raised religious
1: or? Yeah, I was raised. I would say. Republican Party politics were my religion oh, okay. as a kid. We did go to church, but not regularly. There would be years where we went to church most Sundays, and then years where we just didn't because my parents fell out of the habit, and I wasn't going to fucking push to go if my parents weren't. What like, do you
0: mean by, do you mean like in terms of like social issues, Republican Party? Like, conservatism like no abortion, That was sort of our thing? religion. Okay. Uh, or just more, just in general, like the lifestyle of conservative.
1: The the lifestyle and that identity was okay. more important than God or Jesus. Uh, and even like I, my parents are anti abortion. Um, uh-huh because they're conservative but it was always more this identification with conservatives this identification with ronald reagan with george Mm -hmm. w bush with that party um that was that thing was more the factor than any individual issue Mm -hmm. um like my parents didn't own guns or anything like and and so it was it was like it wasn't like they were clinging to a specific thing it was the identity and that's still very important to them their identity is conservatives and that that was the religion i was raised in i would say
0: Okay. I ask that too, because sometimes I think about how, like when we're talking about all these pr- new problems and whatever, and it, it stresses me out, but then I don't know, I'm not religious, but I do kind of believe in a higher being of some sort, like whether it's God or the universe or something, I, or just even all the things, like literally the atoms in the world being connected because they all exist in the same plane. Like I believe in something pulling us all together And that helps me when I get stressed out because I think, oh, well, there's going to be some sort of balance. If we create a problem, there will be a solution. Like somehow it will balance out. Not like without us doing anything. We should still do our best and put our best foot forward. But I do kind of believe that if we're all doing our best and trying to make things work out, it will. That might be naive. I don't know. But it helps me get through the day. (laughs) I would call
1: it optimistic but not necessarily naive. Like it's – we all have to – Hopefully, if, you, if you're if you going to like hang in there yeah. for the long haul in existing, uh, you, <laughs> you pick some reason, you know, it's like Barack Obama's, the, mm-hmm. the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. Yeah. Like it's that same idea. And I think if you don't have something like that, even if you know at some point, like this is something I'm choosing to believe. Sure. It still is necessary uh, in order yeah. to maintain your sanity.
0: That's true. I don't know. Yeah. If I really, really were like questioned under, I don't know pressure i'm like i'm i might crackle and say like i don't really believe it i believe it because it's the best way for me to live my life yeah. because otherwise i'd be unhappy i mean unhappier but i think if i really were to think about it when people are like do you really think everyone will be okay i, I usually i'm like well no but i think you'll you can believe you're gonna be okay until you're not and then you're dead and then fine. Like, I I do. I'm like, yes, that's true. I could probably be wrong and just die horribly and then be like, well, I was wrong, but by that point, I'll be dead, so I don't have to ever live with that, like, cynicism,
1: (laughs) you know? Fake it till you make it or die. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So
0: I think at the end of the day, I do actually kind of, I'm more nihilistic. Like, I really, if I were a question, would tell everyone, nothing matters, we're all gonna die, and fate has no, like, fortune doesn't really favor anybody. You're gonna... Some evil people get what they want, some really great people die horribly, and that's just how it is. But if I were to tell that to everyone, I think a lot of people are just like... Well, thanks for ruining my life. Like, <laughs> I
1: mean, I think it's possible that thing. Like, I think it's possible for things to work out well for humanity. I think it's possible for us to have that utopian Star Trek sort of future where mm. everybody's like well-educated and spends their lives doing the things that matter most to them and we're all we we don't fuck with each other. I think that's a possible goal to achieve. It hasn't been rendered impossible yet. So I would say that is like my equivalent of heaven is the idea that like, okay, well, if uh, if we all try our best, if those of us who aren't monsters try our best to make the world less fucked up, eventually the world could be less fucked up. It's possible. It's not guaranteed. There's mm-hmm. no there's no like power out there saying like this is the inevitable conclusion of all this. But it is possible for us to win that outcome. Although it's also possible for the Nazis to win. So that's not <laughs> not, not not entirely great. But I feel
0: like it's well. I think it's. Oh, Possible for evil to win in short term. It's very, like, the world is set up to... Um, it's very conducive to evil winning in the short term only because of the nature of evil. It's like, you trick people and you cheat. And so if if most people are good, which we're all trying to be, um, evil can very quickly and easily take over. But I think in the long term, it's very hard to e- for evil to stay in power because when someone plays dirty, there's, like, good people who had the skills to play dirty yeah. who are like, all right, well, if you're going to fight like this, you know, that's how revolutions happen is then there's obviously um, killing on both sides. But then the people with uh, the quote unquote good values or, you know, whatever, who are fighting for justice and, you know, equality, those people then take out their guns or whatever. And that's when they're like, all right, you're going to do this? Well, we're going to fight back. And then they always, I feel like, win at Classic, that
1: point. Classically <laughs> ending on a Teresa second, pro-second amendment. <laughs> <But> no,
0: <laughs> when I say guns, I meant metaphorical guns. Uh, guns a-blazin'. I meant like pipe Your bombs. intellect, that's a gun. Your brain is a gun. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah,
1: your body is a gun.
0: Your mm-hmm. body is a Well, some people's are. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. It depends on if you're a squirter or not. Um, oh,
1: I was going to so... <laughs> talk about those guys at, at, at Muscle Beach. you got those, oh. those big ass. Yes, those... and that. 14 yeah. inch pythons
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> that was probably a more appropriate <laughs> way to go with that yeah. um uh okay uh so how did you get so you just got over your eating disorder yeah, or did it, was, it just fade away or was it cold turkey like how did you you became aware of it and, uh, ha- and uh, then how did you just stop i mean
1: i threw out my scale i started a big part of it was like going from just running as exercise to like weight training because mm-hmm. you, you have to Eat food to to do weight training. Yeah, were you um, getting
0: exhausted during the days? Were you like passing
1: out? Uh, every now and then I would get kind of tired, um, but not not all that much. Like I'm sure it wasn't great for my heart or whatever, but uh, I usually felt okay. I would eat a decent. I would eat a pretty good amount at night. Um, was your
0: food tied? Because seems like the exercise part was really tied to the eating too, right? Yes. Like was, what was going through your head when you're running? Did you think like. Were you thinking about food, like, as a motivation to keep running? Or was just, like, was your mind blank when you ran? Was it an escape? Or were you, like, kind of, like, confined to was, this obsession when you ran? It was a
1: mix. You know, I'm running for between 90 minutes to sometimes two and a half hours. I would do like a half marathon every week. So like I was running enough time that a lot of different things went through my head. Okay, so it wasn't like a
0: place where you would just black out and then be like free. No no, 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 no. You no. were like thinking a lot while
1: you were Yeah, running. I was thinking about a lot of stuff, like a lot of like what I was going to write the next day. Uh-huh. And like I, I had, I've had, i had most of my ideas. I, like I, I still run 30 or 40 miles a week. And so yeah, I would wow. say that's where I do most of my thinking. That's like actual productive thinking.
0: Did you have to stop running when you stopped uh, being obsessive over food for a while or you just kept running and just started eating again? I've never been
1: able to stop running. Uh, like it, it's it's a necessary thing for the maintenance of like the happy the having enough happy chemicals in my head to be able to function as a person like uh-huh. I have to be able to run like my biggest nightmare is like breaking a leg or something uh-huh. like and it's less of a nightmare now that I do strength training and stuff because now I know there's another way to get some of those benefits at yeah. least like if I broke my I could still go to a gym and like exercise uh, but running, there's nothing else that does what quite what running does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, that's why I still do it pretty obsessively. But I don't keep track of my weight anymore. Um, I just don't let myself do that because I know where that leads.
0: That's so. It's interesting because I think a lot of times exercise is really tied to eating disorders. But it seemed like for this period of your life. There was something going on where you were uh, focused on the food, obviously, more than normal, but the exercise seems like it was a healthy thing you were doing before, and you were able to separate it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've always... It helped that I was doing the exercise five or six years before I ever had any kind of eating disorder. So yeah. it's just... It has been... That's been a consistent part of my life since I was 19. So for the last, like, 12 years, I've uh, pretty much every day done something. Um, so it, it, that was, like, always something that, like, the issue isn't that I'm exercising. The issue right. is that I'm not eating. Yes. Like yeah, that was always sort of more of the problem.
0: Uh-huh. But you didn't. Well, I, yes, but the exercising was tied to the eating, right? Because you were rewarding yourself for. Yes.
1: Yeah. Exercising. And, it, it, and it was more like I would punish myself for not exercising. Like if I had a hard day, like a heavy day at work, and I like couldn't get in a run, then I just like wouldn't eat that night. Uh,
0: Did you ever feel like you wanted someone to notice that you were doing this? No, because I, d- I didn't
1: see it as a problem. Like, I thought that, like, part of it, part, one of the things that was the problem is after I lost the first, like, 25, 30 pounds, which mm-hmm. I did need to lose, I, like, went into a doctor for a checkup, uh, and he was like, well, it's, this is great. Like, it's great that mm-hmm. you, like, this is, you know, you're a lot healthier now, and that's really good. So I didn't I, I didn't think about it until my uh, my fiancé was like, this is a problem, uh, which was, you know, like, a year or so after that point. It wasn't, it, it, yeah. it, it took someone... Being like, this is an unhealthy thing that you're doing. Like, I, I had felt not healthy for a while because it, it had gone from being just, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm losing weight that I need to lose and that's great, which is healthy, to I'm checking the scale three times a day and obsessing over it and yeah. miserable all the time. But I, I had not analyzed that in my head. Sure. And it wasn't until somebody else told it to me that I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, you're right, this is not good.
0: Well... What happened, like, at work if people wanted to go eat? Like, you just never went to eat? Like, did anyone ever call it out or you just kind of got by just saying, like, oh, I don't want to eat anything?
1: I Sometimes I would if, if I was, like, around people. Like, I wouldn't, you know, I just wouldn't eat dinner or something or I'd mm-hmm. go on an extra long run that, that evening or whatever. But also, like, I didn't know anyone that well. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting invited out to a lot of uh, lunches and dinners the first year or so that I was working for Cracked uh, as a full-timer, like, because I just didn't know anybody very well.
0: That sounds so sad.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty, like, my wife was up in the north uh, yeah. on a farm, and uh, or my, my, my girlfriend at the time was up at the north on a farm, and, yeah, I just didn't know anybody very well. Like, I didn't have any friends in the Los Angeles area until, like, Dave and Tom and stuff moved in. Like, that's when I had people that I was hanging out with.
0: And they ne- nobody ever noticed or said anything?
1: Nobody ever said anything. I mean, we all worked together. Way too much. Yeah. You, you know how the company culture at Cracked was. People sure. would, like, be deathly ill and yeah. showing up to do <sighs> stuff uh, just because that was the kind of people that got attracted to that job. Uh-huh. So, yeah, nobody noticed. Nobody said anything. If they, if people noticed, they didn't say anything.
0: I think that's the thing is a lot of times we're so focused. On, it, like, it took a year and a half, you said, for your uh, wife to or if your fiance to notice. And we're all so focused on ourselves. So like, We always think, like, other people are looking at us or thinking mm-hmm. things about us but the truth is like we're all so busy thinking that about ourselves that it, it does i mean eventually you do notice stuff about your friends if it's off but like it takes a long time it takes to, a to time, notice yeah. and then to say something because yeah. there's always the assumption like oh they know what they're doing they're an adult or whatever mm-hmm. like i have that sometimes where i'm like they seem hmm, like they're going through something and then you just don't push it anymore you're like well they're going through something like, yeah. as if that's fine but then it's like or you could ask, "Are you cool? What's going on?" Something. It seems like you're going through something. Yeah,
1: seems like this might be a problem. Yeah,
0: I feel like you're good at that. You, I, th- I remember you reached out to me once when I was uh, having a breakdown, and it was only, and I didn't even say it. I think I just posted a couple statuses, like jokes. That like sometimes it helps me to tweet out something when I'm having a breakdown because I'm like, oh, I'll think of something funny to like cope with it but then i remember you reached out to me once you're like are you okay and then i was like i've gone too far (laughs) like you noticed
1: (laughs) i mean it might just be that like when you have had that situation yourself where like you were going through something fucked up and nobody noticed until it had hit a certain point yeah maybe you maybe i was a little bit more focused on like paying attention to people yeah i, I don't know it, it it might have been i just remember yeah i think Singy posts something on either twitter or facebook yeah and being like
0: but i didn't even think, say hello i yeah. didn't even think it was because I, I wasn't trying to ask for help or anything i I think i was in that place in my mind where I was like you know using humor in my brain to go get through it and then i was like this is kind of funny to me in a twisted way mm-hmm. or whatever I, I don't remember what the joke was but it's probably something about having a breakdown and then you uh and then you reached out Actually, Dan O'Brien also did that once, and so I, like I think, yeah. As much as the culture is very like work, 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 I cracked. I feel like people did care, which is really. Oh nice. yeah,
1: people definitely cared. It was not like that. People didn't give a shit what was going no, on. No, we were it just was all self.
0: Uh, what's the word? Workaholics. and workaholics. Yeah, 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 we're all
1: very uh, unbalanced people. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think still for the most part, are pretty unbalanced yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, no, but I that was really nice that you did that, and uh, it did help me step back and be like, okay, I, yep, I should have. It was like um, like you, said, your fiance saying something, yeah. me being like, all right, like because you don't name it right when yeah. you're having a breakdown. Even though in hindsight, I'm like, I was having a breakdown, but at the time, I was just whatever. I was like, this is normal. But then when someone else calls it out, you're like, oh yeah, okay, this yeah. is a thing. Oh, I gotta deal <sighs> with it. Maybe this is a problem. <laughs> I gotta deal yeah. with this. Yeah, that's always very interesting of not knowing. Until uh, someone puts a label on it.
1: Yeah, there's a sweet spot of there's no benefit in us policing each other. But there are infinite benefits in us, like, paying attention to each other and, like, caring about saying, are you okay? Are
0: you you doing all right? Yeah. Is everything okay? Because then they could just say, yeah. Yeah. If they are, and then that's fine.
1: And Ian, it's one of those things. Like, I think you said something like, yeah, it's fine. But, like, sometimes just reaching out can start the process of someone realizing, Mm -hmm. oh, no, you know what? That thing that I sent out thinking I was just making a dark joke. There's something there, yeah. and I should I should examine that.
0: <laughs> no, and <laughs> yeah. it was nice because I was fine in that. Like I was like, I have it under control. But it was nice because it did make me realize like, oh, you know what? If I really am going through something and I feel like I can't talk to anyone, in my mind I was like, oh, maybe I can always t- call Robert up or something because I'm like, oh, he like gets it. So I think those reaching out to people in your life when you see that happening is important because even if – sometimes it will feel like – even if they shut you down or say like, it's fine – it it puts you in a place where they next time if it's yeah. not fine they'll be like okay maybe, like you're a lifeline a little bit
1: somebody reached out so like they yeah. they care to an extent it's not it's, it, you can't sort of trick yourself into thinking that nobody cares about this sure because that's yeah. the thing
0: we do when we're like spiraling is like Oh, nobody understands. I'm all by myself, and nobody cares. Nobody will even notice if I don't go to this thing. And it may be true here and there. Like people, again, people aren't thinking about you not because they don't care; it's because they're thinking about themselves. And so, if someone doesn't notice you are at a party, it's not because everyone hates you. It's because they're anxious about a million other things. Freaking out, yeah. They're like, "Is my crush going to be there? Did (laughs) I wear the right?" They're thinking about all Mm -hmm. those things, and not where's Teresa. But it can be very isolating if you're depressed. And you're thinking about going out and then you have that thought, like that nagging thought of like, will anyone notice if I'm not there? And then that pops in and then you don't go and nobody calls. That's dangerous because then you're like... I'm right. Everyone hates me, which is not true. It's just everyone's worried about themselves. Yeah,
1: but like that's the the like I guess if you're talking about like sort of the greater cosmic point about like whether or not to be optimistic about people in the future, <laughs> I think most people do care about the other people around them, and I think like that's what solidarity is. And yeah, that's, it's one of those. You know, I do a lot of uh, anti-fascist research, and I'm I'm very plugged into communities of anti-fascists around mm-hmm. the United States, and there's this guy uh, Atozzi, who's like a, a far right fascist activist who's assaulted just a ton of people in oh. Portland very violent guy oh, um, and he was suicidal at one point mm-hmm. and one of his other like there's all like the the far these fascist activists they don't have that kind of solidarity like they're all Mm -hmm. pretty pretty mean to each other as well as and like are more unified by the fact that they hate the other groups that they're attacking more and so when he posted something that was like really depressed on Facebook a bunch of girls who were in this patriot prayer community this like far right group started uh, making fun of him in a private chat and one of them sent him that and he like posted like a really emotional video talking about how much it hurt him to like see that and because you know these the anti-fascist activists keep a, an eye out on all these people uh-huh. and watch these videos they post a bunch of us who had like some of whom had been assaulted by this guy were talking about how bad they felt for him and like it was, like this is one of the reasons why we have a chance at winning as one of them said on like uh-huh. facebook or something because like i know if i were to express suicidal ideation uh, ideation at some point like 20 people would reach out to me yeah. and be like, are you okay? Are you doing fine? Like th- this this comment worried me. Uh, and they don't have that. And that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons that as, as good as evil is at manipulating the system and at, at fucking with people, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that like people who aren't shitty have is that like we care about each other. yeah, And that's an advantage. yeah. Um,
0: well, it's also tricky because a lot of evil people, a lot of evil people, most evil people, We're not born evil. No, and they didn't start that way, and it's, they don't see
1: themselves that way. Either. Yeah, well, yeah. it's
0: like our conversation about R. Kelly. It's like a lot of times something terrible happened, and it, none of it ever justifies it, but it it does help explain it sometimes. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people are like, "How could you fathom this person doing that?" And then oftentimes inside is just like a wounded person. Yeah. But unfortunately, because most of us are good, when you hear that, it does make you it, your empathetic side feel for them. But then you remember, oh, there's a ton of good people who had shitty things happen who and didn't. didn't do that. Yeah. And so, that's when you're like, okay, well, cult. yeah. <laughs> if you do something bad, it's bad and you should be punished for it. And that's it. And whether or not you have a crazy backstory is like. Oh, it's not, not it, though. Because like, yeah.
1: what is important is like, stopping. Like yeah, with our we Kelly. the cycle At this point, and
0: rehabilitating for sure, but also not excusing. Like yeah. explaining is different from excusing. I'm all for hearing backstories yeah. of criminals and violent psychopaths to maybe help us understand and explain and, it. and
1: prevent that from yes, happening prevent, in the future.
0: But not to excuse. And that's why all these true crime podcasts sometimes like yeah. creep me out because there's a there's this glamorification or romanticization of these mm-hmm. like criminals, and I'm like, well. It's nice to get inside the mind to understand it, but we're not all about, like, I'm not trying to excuse any of this behavior, you know?
1: Yeah, there's this 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 English fairy tale that one of the sites I write for, Cat takes its name from, where there's like uh-huh. a bunch of mice and they there's this cat that's hunting them and they conspire to tie a bell around the cat's uh-huh. neck. And it, that's like that's what we need oh, to be yes. doing with I've evil is you 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 fucking you tie a bell around its neck so people yeah. understand what it is. Like that's why you talk about what happened to someone like R. Kelly, not so that yeah. you forgive him, but so that you understand like oh these are the kind of things that concoct to make someone who is capable of doing this to people, and we need to understand that so there aren't more people doing that in the future yeah these are the things that make a Hitler or a Stalin and we should like we We should understand what those were if we want to stop them
0: I love that um, fairy tale I feel like I've heard it when I was a kid but I don't it's been a minute but I love that because it's like even if you just think of the nature of a cat and mouse like the cat is hunting to survive Mm -hmm. the cat is not but if you're the, the mouse community You're not going to just be like, oh, well, he's just trying to survive, so I will surrender myself. No, that's not the answer. No, you still try to figure it out and do what you got to do. I guess the metaphor then ends because I I would say in human life, it's not like – like in the cat metaphor, in the um, animal kingdom, there's got to be a balance. So, yes, prey and predator, whatever. like, yes, at some point, the predator needs to kill the prey. I don't think that's true for humans. I don't think any of these predators need to whatever hurt their prey or no. assault their victims. But I do think um, the metaphor works up until the point of like they are doing it because they, the, their perception of the world is different. But then I think it stops because it's like, you can't just be like, they have to do this because no, they don't. Uh-huh. Like
1: morally, I, you can't blame a yeah. cat for eating yeah, a mouse. Yeah, yeah. But we, like, we all worked with a person that we later learned was a yes. predator. And that person was really dangerous up until the point where everyone figured out what they were doing and started talking to yeah. each other. Until we were like, no, this person has a pattern. This is what they do. And this is how we try to stop them from getting
0: That was really people. crazy to me, too, because... Um, I remember he was a big uh, proponent of, or outwardly a proponent yep. of, uh, of uh, against, pr- like, predatory behavior and wrote about it and was yeah. an ally outside. And, th- like, this is diff- obviously a different situation, but when you're talking about um, interviewing people with eating disorders and not realizing you had it, I thought of that a little, too, because I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even know if it was so malicious at the time, like, it may have been a not self-aware and then slowly became more aware as people called him out on it. Like, I think... And this is why a lot of people who were fans of um, this guy don't understand it because in their mind, they're like, oh, there's no way he was trying to trick us the whole time. It's like, maybe not. Maybe he wasn't aware that he was doing it. Maybe he really felt like fascinated by these psychopaths and stories because he thought he was on the other side and then once he realized he was one of them, couldn't face it and that's why he was like in denial uh, but then, at a certain point, it's still like if you do something bad, you that's you did it, and you have to take ownership, whether yeah. whether or not you were aware. Or not, like, it doesn't matter. Like, if you hurt someone, you hurt someone.
1: Yeah, well, it was one of those things. Well, he it, There was a point at which he made a choice because yes. people did. It wasn't just that we, like, cut this person out of our lives. People reached out people to reached him out. and were like, what you're doing is bad and yeah. it, it needs to stop. And, like, we're offering you an amount of emotional support because we don't want to just write you off as a human being. And he made a choice yeah. to continue those behaviors.
0: Anyways. Anyways, wow. Well, that got heavy.
1: Yeah, it did. <laughs> I mean, it's a show about secrets. It is yeah. a show
0: about secret. Um, well, I'm really glad you shared that with me, and I'm I'm glad that you were able to make it through and have friends and people to talk to now, and uh, and have a much healthier lifestyle. Um, and I, I think that people appreciate that because I think a lot of listeners deal with addiction and having an obsession, yeah. and so I think hearing hearing that you like you can just get through it, like you didn't go to rehab or anything. You just kind of like was aware and then just that, got, I, got out I'm of it. I'm saying
1: people shouldn't go to read No, it. no, no, yeah, they should have they, yeah. well, But
0: I mean, like, there's a feeling of, like, sometimes there's a feeling of hopelessness when you're like, I don't have the resources, I can't do this, so I'll just keep going deeper in this hole. But there is a world where you can try it by yourself first or bring yeah. in your friends to help you and...
1: Yeah, it's possible to deal with this stuff without professional help, which is not to say that professional help isn't useful or that you shouldn't seek it, but if you like yeah. you don't if you if you don't have enough money, if you don't have the resources, you can still deal with these problems mm-hmm. if you have enough support and people who care about you.
0: Yeah, just step by step. I think yeah. not thinking so big picture because when you're f- super deep in something, it's like scary to imagine a life different, even if you're unhappy, it's just like a big change is very scary. But then if you just are like, all right, day by day, tomorrow I'll do this a little less. Or what if tomorrow I don't weigh myself? Or what if tomorrow I do this? That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I want to end on a game. Do you want to play a game? Sure. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> you seem surprised. Um, okay, this is a game because we did that drug video, so this is about drugs. Uh, it's a fun little game called Symptoms or Side Effects, uh, also known as Side Effects Include. So this is a simple game. It's uh, I'm going to list some things that are either symptoms or side effects of a commonly known Disease or whatever of, uh, of affliction or of a commonly known drug or, um, okay, uh, and these are more like prescription uh, drugs, like uh, medical drugs, but loosely inspired by the idea of drugs, okay. And then you just have to guess if it's a symptom or side effect. You feel free to guess what it's for. They're all well, anyways, here we go. Let's do it. Let's just, uh, let's just see. Okay, here's the first one, uh, flushing headaches. Upset stomach, diarrhea, memory problems, nausea, blurred vision, or dizzy- and dizziness. Side effects. Yes, correct. Any guesses for what it might be for? What type of what type of tre- what it's treating?
1: Uh depression.
0: Good guess. Uh, it is actually Cialis, though. It is oh. to treat ED. E D. Yeah. Okay. So you know. diarrhea memory problems so you can have great sex and then forget about it um Mm -hmm. okay next one severe aches pain and tiredness around eyes weakness or fatigue headache dry cough sore throat runny nose
1: oh that sounds like symptoms
0: correct it is influenza yeah i was gonna say the flu yeah yeah there you go uh we'll give it away i mean oh the runny nose maybe yeah (laughs) i mean so many of these just sound I can't tell. Okay, here's the next one. Vomiting, loss of appetite, nausea, dizziness, dry mouth, stomach pain, weakness, mood changes.
1: I'm going to say side effects.
0: Correct. It's the side effects of oxycodone.
1: I mean, the only side effect (laughs) I know of oxycodone is feeling fucking great, but...
0: Well, you know, maybe the mood changes. Yeah, changing yeah, from yeah.
1: my, my mood changes to fucking great. It's bad to yeah, great, yeah. fucking
0: great. So there you go. That's a good mood change. Yeah, mood change is not necessarily a bad mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to change your mood.
1: If you're trying to change your mood.
0: <laughs> True. Well, you're doing very good at this. Uh, Should have known. You're an expert. Okay. Um, spotting and cramping, breast changes, fatigue and nausea, missed period, constipation, frequent urination. Side effect or symptom? I just,
1: I'd say side effect.
0: Good guess, but it is a symptom of pregnancy, ah, pregnancy. but probably also a side effect of, preg- I don't know. Is pregnancy an affliction? Who knows? Uh,
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a Depends debatable. where you stand. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. You're doing pretty good. Okay. Uh, a couple more. Twitching and muscle spasms, overactive reflexes, nausea, mild skin rash, upset stomach, diarrhea. Is this a symptom or a side effect?
1: I'm going to guess side effect.
0: Correct. Do you have any guess what it's treating? No. Penicillin, treating oh, common yeah. cold Oh, yeah, rashes there you would go. make sense. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know this. This makes me not want to take medicine or get sick. Um, <laughs> here's, okay, two more nausea, drowsiness, dizziness, anxiety, trouble sleeping, loss of appetite, tiredness, sweating, and yawning. Symptom? Side effect of uh, Prozac.
1: Prozac. Did you
0: know yawning is a side effect? Yeah. Is I that mean... a bad thing to yawn? Or just, if I guess you if you're it tired, you yawn a lot. Yeah. Yeah, this sounds like, isn't it supposed to try to treat, well, I guess anxiety is not really depression, but that feels like it would make me more depressed. Yep. All right, here's the final one. Is this a side effect or symptom? Uh, Creamy white lesions on your tongue, inner cheeks, redness, burning or soreness, cracking and redness at the corners of your mouth, cottony feeling in your mouth, loss of taste.
1: Side effect?
0: What do you think would be a side effect for? Ah,
1: geez, I don't know. I really have no idea. I've it never is
0: had that. a symptom of thrush.
1: Thrush. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, that
0: was a good find from our producer Sammy. They thrush. Find this. I didn't know what thrush was. That it sounds, sounds like an old timey like disease. It sounds like a punk rock band. Yeah, thrush. Thrush. Yeah.
1: You guys there's a uh, wicked ass thrush show. Yeah, I yeah. knew about
0: thrush before they oh, sold man, out. Oh the
1: fucking mosh pits at yeah. a thrush show. Put, you, you know, a
0: symptom of going to an uh, underground punk rock shop. Maybe I, all I of these crackness, get, cracking yeah. and redness in your mouth will happen if you party too hard. You probably. get
1: thrush from a thrush mosh pit. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you did very good. I think you won that game because you got more right than you got wrong. So yeah, congratulations. It's life, baby.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, where can people find you?
1: I write okay on Twitter. I had a podcast called Behind the Bastards, and uh, I've got a GoFundMe for a book called The War on Everyone. So check it out.
0: Check it out. Follow Robert on Twitter. Donate to his GoFundMe, uh, and you can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod on Instagram. Woo. Thank you. <laughs>